Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode. Today, um, we're going to be talking about the topic of alcohol, mom wine culture. And if you are someone who is doubting their relationship with alcohol, or if you feel like alcohol might be affecting motherhood in some way, you came to the right place. As a guest, I have Shannon on today, and Shannon is a sober mom of three children, um, one with um, autism and Down syndrome, and she is going to be sharing her story with us. So welcome, Shannon. I'm happy to have you on. Hello. Thank you. And um, so, yeah, I want to dive right in and would like to ask you to share your story with alcohol. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here today and letting me talk about this. Um, so I think my story, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go way back to high school and college, even though I could, because alcohol has uh, been a part of my life since I was a sophomore in high school. But um, as more pertains to motherhood and mommy wine culture, for sure, just got got the best of me. Um, I my third daughter was born in 2010. Um, so at that time, I had a five year old, a three year old, and then a new baby. And over the course of the next couple of years, I just noticed wine slowly becoming more a part of our everyday life. Whereas before, it had always just been like on the weekends. You know, okay, it's finally Friday. My husband and I would have a couple drinks, and even at that point, it, it was never it wasn't a lot because we had small kids and I was nursing and breastfeeding. And, um, but so fast forward to, to by the time, well, I'd say when right around the time my daughter with special needs was probably six or seven. So this would have been maybe about like 2014 or 2015. Our life got a little bit more stressful with her. I was starting to just just really feel the effects of the the reality of having a kid with special needs and just parenting in general. I was a stay-at-home mom, um, homeschooling our oldest. And the again, the acceptability of wine all the time was becoming this, this really big thing. It was just okay suddenly to be drinking all the time. So I get together of my and we would have wine and every weekend it would be more wine. And it just slowly over the course of years snowballed into where it was just acceptable to drink every single day. Um, it was acceptable to drink too much. And it was really easy to just kind of laugh off and slough off as, oh, mommy needs wine. Because it was, it was just always touted as this reward, right? Like we do all of these amazing things as moms, whether you work outside of the home or stay home like I did. And then you add in the special needs scenario for me. And it just honestly becomes this free pass. Like people really, for the most part, thank God, will not criticize or judge how you, how you parent and how you get through life. Because most people can't understand what we go through on a daily basis with um, our daughter with special needs. So for sure in the special needs mom circle, alcohol is for, for me at least, and what I've seen over the years just became this crutch that just gets a free pass for everything. Um, and so it, it slowly was becoming this thing where, you know, wine in the cups when we'd meet at the park or when we'd have to 
go on, you know, any place that we had to do it, go, it was just always okay for there to be wine there. And so even before the pandemic hit, before the world existed around COVID and lockdowns and stuff like that, my drinking was already at a point where my husband and in the most lovely, loving way would just be gently trying to, to bring me back to this center of, well, why don't we just drink on weekends? Let's just try to not drink during the week because he could see I was, I wasn't happy because I was gaining weight. I was always tired. I was always exhausted, always frustrated, um, anxious, a little bit depressed, stuff like that. And he could see a solution would be less alcohol, but yeah, because I'm sorry to interrupt, but from my own experience, like I for years was trying to figure out how can I improve my sleep? Why am I sleeping so poorly? But it is the alcohol, it affects your sleep so much. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and everything your sleep and then your energy levels. It's just it's this vicious, vicious cycle we get sucked into, right? And at the time, especially nobody knew or wanted to talk about the correlation between alcohol and all this stuff. And then for women, I think especially we get the double whammy because it is terrible for our hormones and our metabolism. So then that all comes into play because wherever you are in your hormonal life cycle or your metabolism, like no woman, no woman is happy if they're having problems with their period or premenopause, or if you're gaining weight and it's just, but nobody talks about how alcohol affects all of these things. And so I for sure was stuck in that loop for years. And I honestly just never thought to question alcohol because nobody did. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. It was just this thing. And, and even in my world of, of healthy, right? Like my husband's a chiropractor. I'm a holistic nutritionist and the, the duality, the cognitive dissonance that, that exists in that world of holistic health practi- practitioners that talk to people all day about watching what you eat, avoiding environmental toxins, all this stuff like this, but then drink red wine at night and, and think that that's okay. And I was that person for years because people just, like I said, didn't question it. We didn't know what we know now, but we also didn't want to know, right? Like I could have, I could have probably looked into alcohol more, but it didn't occur to me because it gets this free pass everywhere. And especially everyone else, like you said, I can so relate, like every outing, um, every sports event with kids yep. or without kids birthday parties there's always everyone is drinking so you don't right. second guess right. it because everyone else all the other moms are doing it yep yep everybody's doing it and it's just it's it's this social glue in a lot of ways too because like you said it's everywhere it's offered everywhere so we just assume that it needs to be a part of things and and then the flip side is for people like me. And now what I've learned a lot of other moms too, is that the way we're consuming alcohol around other people is just kind of the tip of the iceberg because behind the scenes, what happens a lot is we're drinking before we go to those outings because we want to, you know, have a little buzz before we even get there. And then we're drinking more when we get home, we're, we're needing more alcohol to do what it did for us a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And that's how the slope gets so slippery and you find yourself just unable to control it at some point. And that was a hundred percent me. I, it didn't occur to me at all that I was becoming addicted or having a problem until I tried to quit or until I tried to control it. 
and I couldn't. And I remember thinking like, like, when did this happen? (laughs) When, when did it become something that's, that's not an option? It was like, if I had to try to go a day or two without pouring a glass of wine at four o'clock, I felt like I was losing my mind and crawling out of my skin. And I knew that that was a, a sign of trouble, but I didn't know how to address it yet. And so that's when I personally just, I started hiding my drinking a lot because I didn't have the energy or the wherewithal to admit that to my husband, that it was hard for, like, I couldn't moderate, I couldn't control it. So I just started sneaking it a little bit and telling myself that like, it's okay, because I still was doing all of the things I needed to be doing, right? I was taking really good care of my kids. I am a good mom and I'm a good wife. And I was running a business from home and I was homeschooling and it's like, well, but if I'm still doing all of these things, then who cares if I have to drink wine at night to do all of those things? So when not understanding that it was all of those things were progressively getting harder and harder to do because I was drinking more. It's like, and you get, you get stuck in the cycle where you can't even see see the point when it starts causing all the problems. Right. So when you started hiding it, was that the point when, for example, your husband thought you had stopped drinking or? Yeah. Okay. Yep, it was. And and that was right, right before the pandemic. But that for me, that's what really blew up during the pandemic, because everything about our life changed, except for the fact that he was still leaving for work every day. So the girls and I were home constantly. And obviously the stress of what was going on in the world. And I just didn't know how, what to do. So I just started hiding alcohol in the house. And during the week, he didn't know that I was drinking. And he thought like, okay, great, we're doing better. So on weekends we can cut loose and have fun because now we've made it all week. And for me, it was just like, well, no, now I can just put my wine in the fridge instead of, you know, hiding it on a bookshelf in my office, because now it's okay for me to have it. Yeah, the pandemic definitely made it so much worse for so many people because it made it more acceptable. Like, I remember we were drinking at 11 a.m. in the morning, you know, living in San Diego when it happened in March, April, May, it was beautiful. We would sit outside and have a mimosa and then move on to whatever next. But yeah, and everyone was doing it. Yeah, every everybody really was. And I know I've heard I've heard statistics. Um, I don't I don't know the sources yet. I know this is stuff you can find now, but just how drinking in general skyrocketed during the pandemic, but especially among women and women who were home. Um, And since then, for a while there also decreased like the number of women who were seeking help, like either from therapists or counselors or just their doctors. So I think we really, we just hit this period of time a couple of years that we're just now starting to come out of where women were self-medicating and absolutely suffering in silence and not telling anybody about it. And I think now we're, we're seeing the effects of that. I, I personally think that's one of the big reasons why this, the sober movement, the sober curious movement, especially among women, especially among moms is gaining so much traction right now because so many of us have been suffering for the last two or three years in silence in the privacy of our own homes. And now are, are finally I, getting desperate enough. I think that was for me, I was finally desperate enough to just say, I can't go on like this. I, I've, I've got to talk about it and I've got to get help. 
and um, just really, really lucky that it's worked and I've figured it out this time. So your mommy does not need wine on Instagram. So yeah. for all the listeners, um, that's where you share your story and your tips. And so yeah. how did you finally become sober? So what did you have to do to, to, yeah. Um, it, it's a short story and a long story. And I'll, I'll start by saying even, even that account. So my Instagram account, um, I actually started it in 2019, the very first time. So that was even pre pandemic when I was concerned enough about my drinking, um, decided to try to get sober at the time, not knowing if it was just going to be a break, which is what it ended up being. So I started that account then, um, shared on Instagram for, I think I made it six or seven weeks that time, just by white knuckling it. Like, like looking back then compared to now, I, I was not at all interested in really learning a lot about alcohol to change any of my beliefs around it. I, I didn't, didn't want to believe that, that sober was really better long-term. I was taking a break then more to just prove to myself and prove to my husband that I could take a break because mm -hmm. then that would mean I was okay. Like that was what I told myself, like, oh, you know, look, if I can take a couple of weeks off, then I'm in control and everything's fine. So I, I think I quit drinking for six or seven weeks that time. And then the holidays hit that led to, you know, holidays, summer, absolutely found that I started drinking more after I had taken like a seven week break. I tried to quit again um, in the fall of 2020, because that was enough after like the first six or seven months of the pandemic, I again was really concerned. Um, took a break that time again, I think I made it five or six weeks until the holidays hit. And I was just could not fathom making it through the holiday season without alcohol, because that is another time when for sure it's a free pass, every party, every gathering, drink, drink, drink did that. So anyways, the, the moral of the story is my Instagram account has actually been there for three and a half years because I started it the first time I tried to quit and those times did not stick. Um, so the difference was this past fall. August, September of 2022 was just a, some small events that for me were kind of finally like um, my come to Jesus moments, I, I call it, where I was really just like, if, if I don't get a hold, of, get a handle on this right now, I was really just afraid that I never would. Um, I was at like the heaviest weight I've ever been in my life, except for when I was pregnant. So just beyond miserable with myself. I hated looking in the mirror. It was absolutely affecting my health, my self-esteem, my relationships in so many ways. Um, it was causing a strain on my marriage in, in the way that I was so unhappy and my husband was concerned about my physical and mental health. So that was causing problems for us. Um, and, and there were just some instances with, um, kind of some unfortunate experiences in my larger family this summer where alcohol and drugs just caused some fights and some scenes that my children were around to witness. And it was kind of a wake up call for me. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want this to be as prominent a part of our life as it is. And I had to take responsibility for that because we've been modeling, you know, kicking back and having fun with alcohol their whole entire lives. And I really was like, I, I have to do something. So for me, I finally got desperate enough. And what that meant was getting really honest with my husband about how much I was drinking 
and telling him that I needed help. And I wanted, we needed to spend money for me to get help. So for me, that was, I found a, a, an online four month coaching program from this naked mind. I had finally read the book. I had done some of their free offerings and it really resonated with me. And I'm just for, like, I can't. For the I, listeners, can you share about um, the naked mind? What yeah. Book? Yep. So this naked mind is a book by Annie Grace and I absolutely love it. Now I had been given the book three years before and I had never even read it again. I think just because I wasn't quite ready for it, but this time, honestly, what hooked me into her book and the whole method, <laughs> I'll admit this because it's true is one of the first things she says is that you can start her programs, but you don't have to quit drinking yet. Like, in fact, she says that she's like, I want you to quit trying to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was like brilliant because I actually was thinking in my head, like, oh my God, is there a way that I can just feel in control of my drinking without actually having to completely quit drinking? Because at the time I thought that's what I still wanted, right? Like I just needed to feel more control over it. So she has a lot of great like three day programs. I know they do like a free 30 day virtual program they call the alcohol experiment. And so I was doing those at the end of the summer and just felt it, it just spoke to me enough because it was the freedom to quit trying to drink. Like I could give myself permission to, to stop the cycle of like, okay, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today only to buy wine at 3 PM and then start drinking and then feel like crap the next day, but then also be full of guilt and shame and remorse. And the program just sp spoke to me because it was like, put all of those feelings on hold, like stop doing that to yourself, just be open to learning new information about alcohol. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I think I can do that. And, and so that's what it was. It just, they, they help deconstruct everything we think we know about alcohol all of basically all of the lies that the alcohol industry and society has told us that like, Oh, alcohol helps you sleep. Al alcohol helps you relax. It makes you sexy. It makes you fun. There's no harm in it. Well, in a really gentle way, they just show you how all of that is not true. And that's what changed it for me because at some point seeing all of those facts that literally are actual facts, I couldn't lie to myself anymore. It was like, I can't put this in my body anymore because now I know the truth about it. And so, so then I could open my mind to the first time of like, okay, well then what can it look like to just not have wine in my life? And it happened really quickly then, like just willing for me, once I just got curious and was willing to like new, learn some new information within three weeks, like way before the program even encourages us to take a break. I just, I, I had enough. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I just, I want to be done. I remember saying to Matt, I have, I don't know how I'm going to keep this going, but I just know that I need to not drink anymore. And I'm super blessed that he's incredibly supportive. He was always just been like, whatever you need whatever you need. So in the beginning, it was like, okay, get alcohol out of the house. I especially wine. Like I don't want any wine or vodka around because those were my drinks of choice. I'm like, I need to not see them. Um, but yeah, the, the program just changed. It changed everything for me. Wow. So good for you. I mean, yeah, that sounds like the not so hard way out of it. And yep. um, you probably know, um, we talked a little bit about this earlier. I watched on YouTube, um, 
I listened to the Huberman Lab, um, the yeah. podcast, and I watched Dr. Andrew Huberman, the episode about alcohol on YouTube. And it's two and a half hours long. First, I'm like, oh my God, who's going to listen to this for two and a half right. hours? It had 3.5 million views. And while oh I was listening, I started reading the comments and it's exactly what you said. Like he is, um, I wrote some things down, but so he's a professor for neurobiology at Stanford School of Medicine. And he has a talent to break things down in such an easy to understand way. And so first off, he starts by saying, do what you want, but know what you are doing. So he's yes. like, I'm not judging anyone, but he yep. breaks it down like all the effects it has on your entire body, on like yep. cell renewal, on your brain, on your gut. And yep. it's like the longer you listen, I mean, yeah, blown away. It is almost like, how can you reach to a glass of wine after you listen to it? It's right. so impactful. It's yeah, it is. It's so eye-opening. And and I agree with you. I love his approach because that's the approach I try to I I remind myself of every day and every interaction I have with people is you do you like you do what you need to do. I am sharing my journey. And I always remind myself every day, like, don't preach. Like I am not trying to preach anything because I am not qualified to preach on anything at all. I'm just sharing my experience and information I've learned. And, but then, like you said, like he says, it's like, you know, do what you're going to do, but just know what it is because I truly believe that if people have more of the facts, the, the full information about alcohol and how it affects our body and affects our brain, then a lot of people will choose to make different decisions around how they use it. And for some people that might just be cutting back for people like me, it is acknowledging that we have a problem, whatever you want to call it, it can just be a problem. Because you're right, that podcast with him, it's brilliant the way he's like, you know, even if you just drink on weekends, okay, you're not an alcoholic, you don't have a problem like somebody like me had a problem. But there's still ways like when he talks about how it's affecting your cortisol levels and how that still does mess with your sleep for days afterwards, and it messes with your anxiety. It's like, that's really eye opening. And that yeah. is information that we're not we're not told people right, think because that yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the, the alcohol industry wants us to drink, right? Yep. I yep. wrote down one um, quote that because, you know, we think that alcohol once in a while is not bad. I mean, there's even, I don't know if it's studies or if it's just, I think it's studies from like years ago that said, you know, especially red wine and moderation is good for your heart health or whatever. Right. But the one thing he said is, um, if you drink once in a while, the level of cortisol that releases has increased at baseline. As a consequence, when you're not drinking, you feel more stressed and have more and more anxiety. Yeah. So even once while drinking, just a little bit. And, and it's, which is, it's so interesting. Again, if people are, if people are open to like processing that information and even just, and reflecting on their own experience and seeing it for themselves, like 
it it's really powerful to see how quickly people figure that out. Like even my own husband. So he still drinks a little bit um, because he's never had a problem. He has always, always been the guy that could take it or leave it. He can have two drinks at dinner and be fine. Um, he could go, go without drinking for three months and be fine. But as he has for sure been drinking less since I have gotten sober, he's become more aware of how he feels when he does drink. And so now naturally just doesn't want to because he's like, he notices he is crabbier for days after having even two or three beers. He sleeps worse. His head hurts his stomach. Like he feels gross then when he tries, when he eats and stuff like that. And he had just never noticed it before, but now that he's paying attention because I'm sharing, I mean, I, when I shared that Huberman podcast with him, I know he was kind of like, okay, great here. You know, you're just obsessed with sobriety now, but I'm like, no, as a doctor, like you, yeah. should, you need to listen to this information. And then he's like, holy cow. Yeah, it's right. And real quick a footnote. I know I've seen this before, like that study you talked about, cause we've all heard that. Right. I know a lot of people cling to that, like, oh, red wine is good for your heart. I know I've read like that was something done in the eighties. It was paid for by like either like grape growers in Italy or something in the alcohol industry. Like it's, it's totally that classic, like it's a study, you know, quote unquote study funded by the industry that wanted oh, that information to be true. true. So no, it is not red wine is not good for your heart at all. Not at all. It's one of those, it's propaganda that was put out there so that people would not feel guilty about drinking red wine. Good to know. Thanks for yeah. that information. <laughs> so after being sober now for a good couple of months, yeah. So what changes have you seen, like mentally, physically? Oh gosh. So yep, so many. And I actually I was just having a conversation yesterday with one of my followers who is right at like the six week mark being alcohol free and, and hitting some stumbles because we for sure still do, especially in those early weeks and months. And she asked me, she's like, can you just tell me what is better at six months compared to six weeks? She's like, because some days I just, you know, she's like, I don't know if this is realistic to keep up. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this question. Because if I could think back to like what, what I wish I would have known then, or like what was already good at maybe six, what, six, six weeks sober compared to now where I'm almost seven months. And it was just the, everything that seems like it's getting better for sure. hundred percent better. Like I absolutely noticed right away, um, some obvious physical changes and like the redness and puffiness that went away from my skin. My eyes got clearer. Um, the bloating and inflammation went away. I started sleeping better. It probably took two or three weeks for my sleep to start to regulate. And that's one thing that is for sure different for a lot of people. And I know it can be really discouraging because sometimes people just expect it to be amazing right away. And it's not. Um, but I, I for sure noticed within the first month, just my mood and my emotions. I was so much less reactive. I was so much less anxious and depressed and sad. Um, I definitely went through a period of fatigue where it's like for a while I had so much energy and I just felt so incredible. But then, and that was probably for me, it was actually, that was around like week six or seven where I'm like, oh my God, I felt like I was taking a 15 minute nap every day and I was just so tired. And it's just all the different layers of healing um, that happened. But now I personally, and I say this, like, I feel like the magic really, really started to hit for me at about day 100. 
And that's why, like, I love that people will do like dry October or sober October, but all of these like 30 day breaks, I think it's incredible. And people can see a lot. You can see a lot of benefits in 30 days, but I know in my experience and the more people I talk to, the really, really good stuff doesn't come until you hit like month four, month five, um, mentally and physically. But yeah, now it, I mean, now it's six months, just, I mean, it's hard to even say like, I, I so much more self-confident. I love myself. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Everything about my life just seems to be easier because my energy and by energy, I mean, even just like my demeanor, my, my outlook on life, my emotions, um, I'm not at war with myself and I'm not creating drama. I'm not finding drama. I'm not doing any of that because my brain is not being poisoned. Like, again, it goes back to that. Like when we got to just admit like alcohol is an addictive drug, it hijacks your emotions. It absolutely makes your brain function in a way that it would not function if you were not drinking it. And the longer you go, the longer you let your system get clear of it, it's just truly incredible. Um, like my anxiety and depression have almost completely cleared. Now, again, I was never, I've never been on any medication. I'm not somebody that like um, sought counseling or care for anxiety, but 100% had it and absolutely self-medicated with alcohol for it. Like that's just what I use to deal with the anxiety of being a special needs mom. And it's almost all completely resolved itself just by removing alcohol. That is so encouraging. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you look radiant, like you are Thank glowing. You. <laughs> um, I know, it's crazy. That's what I always say. I'm like, I'm 45. I just turned 45 this winter. I never thought this would be the time in my life that I'm like, I don't need filters. I'm not messing around with anything. I put some like concealer and mascara on, but I just, I feel so good about myself and my skin is better than it's probably ever been in my whole entire life because this is the longest I've gone without drinking alcohol aside from being pregnant. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible how your body can start to heal when you give it the space to. That's what's really remarkable mm. also. It's wonderful. And if you look on like Instagram, I mean, I, we found each other on Instagram, but yep. um, it's, there is so much now, there's so many women talking about sobriety in, in motherhood. There's definitely, yep. I, I really see a shift happening. And even when you go to the liquor store, the grocery store, like uh, even two years ago, you didn't see that amount of like non-alcoholic drinks and mocktails right. on the menu. So I think a shift yep. is definitely happening. I do too. And I, I think it's really, really beautiful and really powerful because I think moms, I mean, everybody in general, but especially moms at every, at every stage, we just need connection. Like we need other people that get what we're going to and for, or going through. And for the longest time, wine was sold as this thing that would bond us. Like we could get together and drink wine and commiserate or celebrate or do whatever we needed to do. But now that wine has caused so many additional problems for so many people that I think it's really beautiful that those of us that are walking the sober path are showing moms and are inviting other moms like we, we can have that connection that we need. And we actually that connection can be even better if we remove this alcohol, because then we are our authentic selves like I'm, I'm going to share the real me 
because it's the me that's not influenced by this drug that's affecting mm -hmm. my life in a million ways. And, and so moms just need people that get it. We need a community and we need support and doing that through sobriety or even just sober curious, you know, if there are people that can handle a couple every once in a while, those, those people know who they are. It's like, right. Like we say, like if the people that, that can moderate or control their drinking, don't even call it moderation because they just don't think about, they don't think about it. Alcohol is not a thing for them. Um, but, but moms just, we need community. We need support. We need connection. And it absolutely is so powerful and so authentic to, to form that community and that connection without alcohol. Yeah. And especially if it's built on maybe the struggles of when we did have wine in our life, because that's a really amazing thing too. The more I share my story, the more I talk to other women who like me had been suffering or are still suffering because they thought they were the only one. They, it, it becomes this, like, we think that we are a because we cannot control drinking wine or drinking any sort of alcohol on our own. So we sit and suffer in silence, but then we start talking about it. I mean, every day I get at least five messages from other women that are like, oh my God, your posts sound like my life. Like you're writing about my life. And they're like, I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I mean, that just spurs me on to keep sharing more and more to be like, you're not the only one. None of us are the only one. And when we talk about it and put it out in the open, then that's how we can move past it and we can grow from it. Yeah, and as women, we definitely need the community to feel like that support. And speaking about community, so please share about your upcoming retreat that you're hosting. Yes, thank you, I'm so excited. I am so excited. So yeah, I am planning my first ever sober retreat um, for, my followers to join me in Costa Rica in the fall, which is absolutely outside of my comfort zone. I've never been to Costa Rica. I've never taken a bigger international trip like that. Um, but I have taken one small weekend um, trip so far in my, in my sober journey. So traveling sober is a huge, I know a huge source of stress and trepidation, at least for a lot of people that are either newly sober or thinking about getting sober because a lot of us vacations always equated a big giant booze fest, right? It was like, we drink at the airport, we drink on the plane, we are drinking all day, every day on our trip. So the, the thought of doing that all without alcohol is one of the things that keeps people stuck in drinking because they'll say like, oh, well, I'm gonna wait until after this trip because I can't imagine possibly going on this vacation without drinking. So the idea of the sober retreat is just seven days of, of a, a trip that's curated for people specifically that are not drinking. So the whole entire thing is of course going to be sober people and we're going to, you know, eat together and spend time together and we're going to kayak and snorkel and see the beaches and see the jungle and have a lot of time for just connection and, and talking and building that community that we've talked about with other people where we're not the odd ones out because we're not drinking and we don't have to worry about defending ourselves or being pressured to have a drink or anything like that because it's going to be all all sober people so right now um, we're still just in the booking booking um, stages of it the trip's not until october um, people are signing up there's still spots left we can do a payment plan um, but it's i'm so excited it's just going to be really really beautiful to 
have one of this big, huge first, like we talk about our first a lot in the sober community. It's like your first vacation, your first wedding, your first concert, your first birthday, like all of these things you do that you now are reframing to fit your sober, sober life. And um, yeah, so to have just a trip like this and a location like this and, and to build these connections with other people who just get it, who just yeah. understand why you want to live your life this way is I'm, I'm so excited. It's so amazing you're putting this together. I'm sure it's going to be, especially in such a magical, special place. I mean, yeah. I haven't been to Costa Rica, but it sounds like, you know. I know, me too. Like, I haven't either, but I see the pictures and I'm just in love. And I'm I'm a beach girl anyways. Like, I'm the, the sun and the sand and the water just, just feed my soul. And I know for sure already that, that the power of that for me is even it's off the charts now that I'm sober. And that's just from, you know, some small trips to visit my parents in Florida. So being in a place that's truly as remarkable as Costa Rica, I think it's absolutely going to be life-changing. It's going to be incredible. Well, I can't wait to hear how it turns out and Thank you. what everyone's thinking. So what is the easy, easiest way to get in touch with you if anyone wants to contact um, The easiest way right now, honestly, is just through direct messages on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, that's where my community has grown. Like, so that's become kind of my baby and my family there. So my inbox is always open. I'm always chatting with people. Um, I've got some exciting new stuff in the works um, that we'll be rolling out over the next couple of months, just more ways of people to, to connect with me a little bit more intimately and a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one. but Instagram is definitely the place to find me and to just stay in the loop and to keep hearing about my journey because it's still very ongoing, you know, in, in the world of sober Instagram, I'm still definitely a newbie in that, like I said, I'm just coming up on seven months. Um, next week actually, but the the community and the following there has been just nothing short of amazing in the past seven months. It's, it's so beautiful and so supportive and I love it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. And thank you once again for coming on here and being vulnerable and sharing um, such an empowering story. Oh, I appreciate it. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for asking. Of course, thank you so 